0: My name is Tim Barkolt. I work for ExxonMobil, and I'm working on technology for CO2 capture. At ExxonMobil, we're working on a range of solutions, including a new way to capture carbon at natural gas power plants.
1: Learn more at energyfactor.com.
0: This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Dur- oh, sorry. Kevin <laughs> Kevin Durant, <laughs> Kevin Durant mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go <laughs> This is Stephen Adams, and this is NS Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say to that. Dunk. <laughs> Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Annette Cantor, and you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are a part of DailyThunder.com, also, all Mighty Baller Radio. Today, Eric Pincus of Basketball Insiders, Bleacher Report, and Hollywood Hoops joins the show. Eric, how's it going, man? Oh, I'm doing, doing well. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, if you know me and you know Jay, they're another guy on our show, uh, we were both Lakers fans growing up because we both were enamored with Shaquille O'Neal and our guy Eric covered the Lakers during part of that era. Uh tell me what was it like to cover a Shaquille O'Neal led team? Uh well, I mean
1: Shaq is a you, you see him on TV, he's a tremendous personality, but he was he, he was even more of a personality in the locker room just because I guess it wasn't televised. Yeah. And uh just a funny guy. Um there were times where his emotions, you could see he'd be frustrated. Uh if he wasn't getting the ball, et cetera, et cetera, there, there were certainly times where it was not the best environment, but he was fun to be around. And I think that's something that if you ask maybe anyone, but maybe Kobe, <laughs> I think <laughs> everyone would pretty much agree that Shaq is a fun guy to be around. And to be honest, Kobe would say the same. It's just they had areas that they didn't see eye to eye on.
0: Yeah. Were there any – so you covered like the, the Lakers of oh three oh four, which was the basically the falling apart of that era. Uh, what? How did, How was like the? Let's say, pick like a role player that didn't really play. I guess maybe just a guy at the end of the bench. What was the? What was their like reaction during this whole thing? If you got to know any of those guys, like basically like sitting back and like watching these like massive superstars like fall apart in front of our eyes. Like, what was what was that process like? And maybe maybe some insight on maybe what other players thought about it.
1: Well, it's it's one of those things where. I think it's a natural human reaction when things aren't going well to downplay it, not just to the media, but to like their own mind, like the way they perceive it is that it's not really a big deal. And it wasn't like Kobe and Shaq were in the locker room yelling at each other. It's Mm -hmm. just not – it was more of a cold war and then every so often it would escalate. But a lot of it was in the media uh, where my compatriots – and at that point I was still just uh, learning the job and was really – quiet and, and not a major force as far as not to say that I am now but at least now I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I get my questions in and I'll, I'll make sure I get what I need back then I was just really just trying to learn the ropes uh, but they would ask pointed questions and then they would and they'd go to the other party and they say this person said that and then they'd say what's your thought on that and it was very tit for tat and and that's just how it was so I, if you were a role player I don't even know how much you paid attention to that because uh, I don't know if they there was there was no Twitter, there was no uh, the social media didn't exist in the same way. So you would have to have to actively go and read a newspaper. And I think it was a lot easier back then to ignore the L.A. Times and the Daily News and the O.C. Reg and the Riverside Press Enterprise. Those were pretty much the main papers. I might have left one out at the time in L.A. local ones. And so if you're a role player, a lot of times it was just like, no, everything's cool. And then you think you're going to win, right? Because it fell apart when they were going to, to – right after their trip to the finals. Right. If you're going to the finals, you think you're going to win. You think maybe the year they lost to the Spurs was just Shaq wasn't healthy and it just didn't happen and they were tired after three years. But now you've got Gary Payton and Carmelo, and, and we're back and we're fine. So guys like Devin George, they had a ton of friends, right? Luke Walton's and and uh, Brian Cook, and they had a nice little. What was it? I don't think Jordan Farmer was there yet, but they were. Um, they were just good. They, there was a lot of friends, young guys being friends, cream rush, just buddies, hanging out and having a good time and thinking that this is a team that's going to win a title, and I think it surprised everyone. Uh, that they lost to the, the Pistons. and mm-hmm. uh, The Pistons were great that year, but you got to remember also that Karl Malone was really hurt and Horace Grant were hurt, and you're starting Slava Medvedenko and Brian Cook at power forward against a really, really big team in Detroit. That was kind of a problem. So uh, whether it was the Lakers' own doing or just bad luck and injuries, uh, I don't think the role players were like really cognizant of, like, oh, things are melting down and it's going.
0: It, I just don't think it felt like that at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense uh did you have a favorite laker that you covered oh i mean that's
1: that's hard to say i I, there's so many i guess if i were to say over the life of covering this team that just being around meta world peace has been just a (laughs) a privilege i mean yeah he, he on one hand he's like he says some stuff that's just nonsensical and you're just like what is he thinking But he's really a caring guy. He's really a sweet guy. He's really conscientious. Uh, I got to do a couple of phone interviews with him, Uh, talked to him before games and just hung out a little bit there. Just a tremendous person. I mean, across the board. And and from where he came from, from, uh, of course, the malice in the palace and getting suspended, uh, he was just a a great teammate for the Lakers. He was a great person in Los Angeles. He donated his ring uh, from the championship that he got to raise money for mental health. Uh, just a a really great story about someone saying that the way my life is going isn't working for me, so I need to do something different. Yeah, that's amazing. He
0: does have he does have an amazing story and such an odd NBA career. He's he he's very fascinating to me as well. I'd like to thank Chicken Express for sponsoring today's show this month. The month of August, you can go into Chicken Express, get a large combo meal in exchange, your drink for a smoothie. The smoothies are very good. Strawberry, peach, mango, and strawberry banana. I would get them with their strips. You can also get, they have wings, hot wings that you can get. They also have a fish filet that is very good. You can get mashed potatoes, fried okra, french fries. All their sides are very good. And don't forget the sweet tea. I know you probably want to trade your drink in for uh, a smoothie, but I would go ahead and get a sweet tea anyways because it's so, so good. So go get yourself one of those good smoothies. The peach is my favorite. Uh, Go give a smoothie a try at Chicken Express. They have locations uh, in Oklahoma City, Edmond, Yukon, and more. You can also go uh, to Chicken Express in Dallas. They have locations all over Dallas. So go check out Chicken Express today for lunch or dinner. Okay, so the, the Thunder and the Lakers are kind of indirectly linked right now because of Paul George and will be really until past the summer of 2018. But there's a tampering charge against the Lakers from the Pacers right now. Uh, how much merit do you think it has? Do you think it's something that we should completely dismiss and that it will just be swept under the rug? Or how do you? what, what kind of resolve will we have here on this tampering charge?
1: Well, I I wrote about it on Bleacher Report last week, uh, and the basic gist of it is Magic tampered very publicly when he was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. Now, he didn't say outright Paul George come to Lakers, but his wink and the way he laughed and joked about it, yeah, it's TV and it's fun, and Magic could do that before he was in charge of an NBA franchise. But now that you're uh, an NBA executive, that in my mind, and I think it's pretty clear in the NBA – And that's tampering. So now that in and of itself isn't necessarily a big deal. Uh, And there are many cases over the last five or so years where there have been tampering charges, uh, one of which was like Phil Jackson saying that Derek Fisher, who was still with the Thunder at the time as a player, was candid to be head coach. And, And, of course, Fisher retired as a player and went on and coached the Knicks not too long, but he was a coach there for a minute. Uh, but you can't say that to another, the team's player. And so they find Phil Jackson, $25,000. Uh, there's some other cases. I'm still trying to dig at the actual money, the amount that was fined. but like the rockets, the Kings, the Hawks, the Hawks sent out like an email season ticket holders saying something along the lines of hey, there's a lot of excitement for a summer where guys like Chris Paul and Dwight Howard are available or something along those lines, which you can't do. And, uh Mike Malone, former coach of the Kings, said something along the lines of, of uh, Chris Paul would look great in a Kings uniform. So those are the kind of similar tampering uh, incidents that came – that were similar to Magic. You can argue Magic's was worse because it was on national TV. But I, I – let's say they decide it's 10 times worse, which I don't think it is. I don't think that's 10 times worse than what any of these – than what Phil Jackson did which was a $25,000 fine. So even if it was 10 times worse, you're talking about a $250,000 fine. Lakers pay it, end of story. They're happy, done. But the danger is that there's an investigation now. And so uh, other than the obvious, it's the the behind-the-scenes stuff. And, And I think, by and large, teams do tamp. And Chris Paul had something lined up with the Rockets well before he met with the Clippers. And this was all done before July. Uh, and then you start going down the list of, of deals that are made where they couldn't have reached a deal that quickly <laughs> in, in, or how does this all work where they have meetings set up if they can't contact their representative before nine Oh one Los Angeles time, uh, on, I guess that's June 30th, 30th for us. Uh, what we are two times on over. So eleven thirty eleven eleven o one 11, for you guys, right? In Oklahoma mm. city. Yep. Uh, they're, they've already got everything lined up for meetings and, and, and it just seems like, well, you didn't just call at that time and have that set up that quickly. Right. You obviously had some preliminary. So I think tampering is rampant. Uh, there, it's a matter of extent and it's a matter of how much you do publicly and how much you get caught doing. And so now the question is not just Magic but Rob Polinka as well. They're going to look at their phone records, their emails, their texts – and try to see what, was their communication with Paul George directly, was there communication with his agent. Just communication with the agent isn't enough because they also represent – he also represents uh, Julius Randall and D'Angelo Russell, who was formerly with the team, and, and um, I think Luke Kennard, who was in the draft. So at this time, they could have been communicating with Aaron Mintz of CAA for many reasons. So just having communication isn't enough. Uh, they have to have some record of of what that is and, and that it was about Paul George, but if you've got like Rob Polinka or Magic, and Paul George's personal phone in in their records, that's probably really bad. And the the problem is is that this is this is in the NBA's constitution and bylaws. This isn't like collectively barred. It's like a really serious thing, mm-hmm. and the punishments include. Um, and, and I'm not saying that the Lakers did any of these things that are warrant these punishments, but the punishments for this particular thing and tampering is up to five million dollars in fines, uh, loss of draft considerations, which could go to, in this case, the Pacers. <coughs> um, they could block any acquisition of Paul George really indefinitely. This is it's up to the commissioner, to, Commissioner Adam Silver, to levy these. And let's say it was Magic or it was Rob, Palenka. Whoever is found guilty of tampering by the league, at their discretion, can ban them not just for a short period. They can ban them indefinitely. So I'm not saying it ever gets to all that. But that Magic's wink opened up the door, door to this is pretty dangerous, and uh, the league hope that their records are clean. Maybe they did zero, and it's nothing even to be concerned about. But I, don't, I think it's rare when a team does zero. They may not do like on a scale of one to ten. They may not do ten. They may not do five, but if you do two, maybe that's enough. If you get caught, to get a pretty significant fine, or maybe just block Paul George from him being a Laker at any point.
0: Yeah, I think that Thunder fans, we just we basically want to know what would it take. You know, like what like a, what level of tampering? What does it even look like for him to be blocked from going to the Lakers? I feel like that is like so far and away like a impossibility almost. Like in my mind. Um, that I'm, I'm like not even considering it. I think I've dismissed it several times on our show that that would even be a possibility, but what would it look like for that to actually be a possibility?
1: I mean, if there was like direct communication with Paul George, especially like multiple times and they were communicating with Paul George directly all this time while, while this was going down. And so the reasons why it was coming out in the media that Paul George is going to the Lakers is because he's been talking to the Lakers and they've been lining this up. And there's some sort of pre deal. That's that's uh, that's it right there. Now I'm not saying that exists. I don't know if that exists. Uh, now it, it gets a little trickier. If there's something in writing, you would. I mean, you'd have to think they wouldn't send texts or emails. Yeah. But it's certainly. I mean, I, magic being inexperienced, I could at least see him doing it more so than Rob Palenka. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Um, if anyone thought, oh yeah, they're gonna our records. Like, right. I don't think so. I don't even know if subpoena is the right word, but they're gonna they're gonna see our records. Maybe, maybe it didn't cross their minds. And it, I, I mean, an experienced executive is gonna know not to do that. And so, I have to give Rob Plinka credit for being what he's been the last twenty something years as a, as a as an agent that he has a basic feel for what to do and what not to do so uh, i know they're looking at him they're looking at magic and i don't know if they're looking at anyone else but i would say those are the two main main uh targets of the investigation and uh, they just have to hope that if they did do something they shouldn't have which is like i said i would say on a scale of one to ten i'd probably expect they did at least two they might have done five might have done eight (laughs) but at least two the question is is there proof of that? And uh, if they're smart, then the answer is no.
0: Yeah. Are the Lakers fans? Are they at all worried about this, or is this kind of like a secondary topic?
1: Uh, most have thought I'm I'm nuts or crazy or yeah. incendiary or looking for clicks.
2: Uh-huh.
1: When I'm like, my job is to, especially. I mean, I wrote this on Bleacher Report, but I, as my, my basketball insider's side of my career, I'm known as one of the salary cap experts and and I know a lot about the rules and so uh I mean I'm I'm the one I'm, I'm reading out of the constitution and bylaws and I block quoted it I cleaned up a couple of things for readability but basically it's like I just copied it and pasted it and put it in my article and uh those are the real punishments and I'm not so I'm I'm not I'm not saying these things are going to happen sure. uh, but I do know that the fans want to believe that it's nothing and that it's a wink and a wink shouldn't be anything and magic Mm -hmm. didn't know magic's you know gonna learn i'm like that that's just not how it works you know when it comes to like what is it like uh ignorance of the law it doesn't i don't know there's some saying like that where if you don't don't know the law you're it doesn't excuse you from breaking it right it's like i didn't know i couldn't kill that person (laughs) well you didn't know that huh so it just doesn't work that way so uh the fans by and large have been mostly downplaying it to me and saying that I'm um, I'm worried and it's not even me about being worried I'm just doing uh, I'm just doing my due diligence as a reporter to say this is what could happen this is what they've opened themselves up to and while there's probably nothing to a degree I don't know that there's nothing yeah and there may be something and how bad that something is
0: it, it's uh it's dangerous it's dangerous if there's something yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how things move forward. I think the the Lakers as a as a franchise are at a really fascinating pivot point coming up here in 2018. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. Unless the they steal all the Thunder's players, and it won't be so much fun for us. Um, uh, the Thunder's cap situation moving forward. I wonder if you could walk us through like what will what will the Thunder look like if they re-sign Russ and Paul George leaves. And then what will it look like if both guys leave? Um, Like how much money will they have to spend next summer? Or how much cap space will they have next summer if only one of them leaves? And I think we can both agree that if one of them leaves, it's going to be Paul George. It won't be Russ. And then maybe what it will look like if they both leave. Well, I will say on the Russ side, I've heard uh, from someone
1: with a team that they've heard from people that is going to take the extension. I've also heard from other people uh, that a certain star is – you know, would like to play with him with the Lakers. So it's out there in, in Russell's sphere that, yeah, the Lakers are a possibility and he mm-hmm. could play with a LeBron or whatever and, and who knows. Now, who, you hear a lot of things and they're not all true and very few of them necessarily come to pass. I sure. tend to think he'll take that extension. So if we go with that notion – uh, that he's taken the extension, and I have to look at that. I, I'm trying – I had it written down. Let me see if I can find it. What happens when he – forget what happens with his option year. I don't want to misquote myself here. So let me pull it up real quick. Sure. Uh, here it is. Wait. I wrote about it for Bleacher actually. There's an article called What's Next for All NBA Winners and Losers. It's from May. And it was really talking about uh, those who were named to the All NBA first, second, and third teams, and such. And, hold on, pop up that. And uh, and it, so, what happens with John Wall, James Harden? Well, they were eligible and they got their contracts. And Paul George, as I'm, I'm sure you all know, was not qualified for that massive extension, and then ended up getting traded. Is no longer qualified. Boogie Cousins isn't qualified anymore because he was traded. Actually, interesting, Isaiah Thomas was eligible uh, for a massive extension, but when in getting traded to Cleveland, that went, came off the
0: table huh. as well. Interesting.
1: Yeah, and it, most people think, oh, no, he traded. And it's like in the rule, you can't be traded, but you can be traded in your first four years as long as you're on, you're on that same original contract as far as bird rights. So he was signed as the 60th pick, 60th pick to the Kings. He was signed and traded to the Suns, which via sign-and-trade, you keep your bird rights. So he went from the Suns to the Celtics. And so he's still on that first contract as far as bird rights are concerned, but was traded, but he was traded just in time. Now he got traded again, so he's not eligible. So Westbrook can extend his deal starting with the 2018-19 season at approximately $207 million for five additional years. That's roughly it. So I'd have to double-check, but let's just, for the sake of argument, assume that he stays... Let's see. Let me make sure I get, I get this right. Yeah, deal starting with the 2018 season. So, next year he would get the max, right? So, the max for him via this extension is 35 percent of the cap, which is estimated to be 102 million by the NBA. So, we're talking 35.7 million if those numbers hold. So, his number goes up from 30.7 to 35.7. So, they lose a full five million in spending power mm. uh, once he signs that extension.
0: Or one cost. Uh,
1: I have. Yeah, so if I just punch in some numbers real quick here, you've got Russell Westbrook instead of at 30 points. You've got him at 35.7. But you're also paying Steven Adams quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Paul George, let's say Ines Cantor opts out just to make it easier on you guys, oh, right? Oh,
0: that would be a miracle. Uh, yeah, but I'm, <laughs> let's just say. you don't Okay,
1: know. yes. Um, okay. Where you go with your, like, your best case and your worst case. And let's say they decide they've had enough of Doug McDermott and uh, we'll just, let's see, we'll keep Josh Hustis. Let's assume they take his option before Halloween this year. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's, there's always wrinkles and whatnot. We'll we'll take out Samaj Christon. Christon, Christon yes. Please Christon. take him out. Christian. Okay. Christian. Christian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Christian. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players, right? So you're talking about Westbrook, Stephen Adams, Andre Roberson, Abrinas, Patterson, Singler, eustace ferguson and dakari johnson so that's uh like i said that's eight nine players one two three four five six seven eight nine so you're gonna have three roster holds cap holds for empty players costs about eight hundred thirty nine thousand, roughly each okay. so you put all those numbers together and i have to check um, did they trade away
0: their pick or do they have their pick uh i think that it's a lottery protected pick but i I actually no 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 they don't have that Let, pick. Yeah, they don't have that pick. So if they
1: don't have their pick, we're at about $94 million in those players.
0: Okay. They do, the bull, they do have the bull. They do have the bull second rounder.
1: All right. Well, second rounder won't impact their salary cap. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're at about 94 million, the cap's at 102 million. So that leaves you with about 8 million. Well, the mid-level exception is going to be higher than $8 million. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you're the the Thunder would not be under the salary cap. So this is a team that's over the cap next year with Russell Westbrook, okay? So what that gives them is we'll just, just round up. Let's call it $10 million. It's a little bit less than that, but $10 million in the mid-level exception to spend. Uh, and then they have uh, the biannual exception, which will be – oh, I mean I have – let's say it's uh, it's uh, was it? Like $4 million or th- right around there. Let me see where it's at right now. Yeah, 3.2. So let's call it $3.5 million. We have about $3.5 million and ten million, and these are very rough numbers, just to, to ballpark you. Mm-hmm. To add to that core, so you lose Paul George, you can't really replace him with a ten million dollar player. No, it's just not. You're not even going to be able to replace, uh, Cantor with a ten million dollar player.
0: Right. I was going to say oh, and this is under the uh, under the rosy assumption that Cantor will opt out. Right.
1: So now there there are issues where if he opts in. And as you get closer and closer to a luxury tax threshold, uh, then those those uh, those exceptions start to like they the Thunder are tax team, so they have they have about five point two million this year to spend instead of that eight point it's eight point four right now. Mm-hmm. So for the mid level, so they they don't have to spend this year, and you start to run into that kind of issue. The tax should be uh, I'd have to double check that number, but let, let, let's say it's. Uh, what was it? One nineteen this year, so it goes up to about one twenty two ish or one twenty. But then they, the, the hard cap is about one twenty six. So they have, um, let's say it's. I mean these are rough numbers, but let's say it's one twenty six for the cap. That uh, for the hard for a hard cap, they could use their mid level. They just can't get to one twenty six. So if 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 cancer stays and then and then they keep some of the other players like mcdermott and, and such it gets closer, closer to 126 and then there's an, uh, an issue uh where you can't spend over that amount and maybe it limits what you could spend so they're sort of in a tight place where westbrook stays they're basically the same team and they have to be very creative in how to improve yeah. uh be it free agency or trade so maybe you can trade Cantor for something valuable that's probably optimistic yeah. uh Uh, I'll go ahead and
2: call
1: it optimistic. Patterson was a nice signing. Uh Guys like Felton was a nice signing. They did a good job of getting good veterans. But none of those guys are needle movers when it comes to uh, replacing Paul George. So now if Paul George stays, it's a very different figure. Uh, Now you're paying him the max, which will be about 30. It'll be about, let's see here, 102 at 30% of that. Right. So that's thirty point six million dollars. So let's say you're paying him thirty six million. Now they're at about one twenty three. And so that now if you keep Russell Westbrook and you keep Paul George, the issue becomes then they only have about five five and a half million to spend. They don't biannual, annual, which is like the three something million. They don't have the full mid level, which will near they will be in the nine range, let's call it ten. And then so they'll have a little bit over $5 million, million, to spend to add to that course. So now maybe this team is amazing this year. The chemistry is brilliant, and they're able to, to trade and find a way to get more third option that really helps. It's it's not impossible. Sure, They could build a team and, and, and be a successful franchise built around these two guys. If Paul George, they are kind of in a bad place. It reminds me a little bit of where the Clippers were uh, when Chris Paul – if they lost Chris Paul or they lost Blake Griffin, they're basically screwed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Got lucky that Chris Paul was able to just agree to work with them to get them some assets back from the Rockets.
0: Sure.
1: Then they went and got Gallinari. So there are always other moves that you can make to offset something like that, but it's not a position of strength. And you can argue that Gallinari's is not a three and that the Clippers have uh, a short life with what they've done Of the Chris Paul trade. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they're just like – maybe it works – Maybe the the Western Conference final is is the Clippers versus the the Thunder. You never know. I don't think so, but you never know.
0: Yeah, and you're right. It's it's tough, and there's a part there's a part of me as a fan that I mean, obviously fans love Russell Westbrook, but there's a part of me where it's like, you know, maybe bottoming out might be a little bit easier because I don't know if the Thunder, I don't know how the Thunder fan base would handle the team competing for the seventh seed basically for the next you know, five or six years. Cause Russell takes that extension and Paul George leaves like Russ is here for another six years, unless they trade him, uh, which is a long time and they are capped out. Some of it's because of that large Steven Adams deal and the large Canner deal. Um, but they're just, it's a really tough spot to be in and you don't want to be in like no man's land. Um, and I think you'll always be relevant as long as Russ is here, but I just don't know if you'll really, what are you really competing for? And I think that, I think that there's there's a I think there's a strong argument that it might be better if they both left, wipe wipe the slate clean, and then let Sam Presti, who's been one of the best GMs in the league, you know, try to rebuild the roster from the ground up. Yeah,
1: it's a challenge because on one hand, uh, there may be no real winning future, but I mean, there are always opportunities that come up, so you don't want to say. You're stuck with Westbrook, and you're always mediocre. I mean, there are there are opportunities, and the best example is getting Paul George for sure. for basically Sabonis, who's a really nice young prospect, but not on a Paul George level, and Oladipo, who you could argue was if that was like the best salary dump in NBA history. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were not, if you if you thought he was an overpaid bench player, uh, if you think he's a starter and he deserves that money, great. But I know the Magic did, didn't think that, <laughs> and clearly the Thunder after paying him didn't think that. Uh but then uh if you're out okay, so like when the, the Thunder came to Oklahoma City, they already had Kevin Durant. They were already on their way. And it's been nothing but building and you know, injury setbacks and obviously they had to deal with the James Harden trade and but the team has always been they've been a playoff team, a contender, uh to varying degrees just based on health. Mm-hmm. And that would be interesting to see what happens if that's all gone and now you're starting over. And if you're starting over, you're starting over. You've got Steven Adams at $24 million, uh, $25 million for the next five, what, four years. You've got Roberson who's on a good contract. Uh, George I, – I mean I think Adams is the only one that's a little bit difficult if you're rebuilding uh, mm-hmm. because the center market is pretty bad when it comes to trades. Now, maybe – uh, I mean, I I value Adams as a player a lot. I think he's a very good player. I, I don't know if he's twenty four million dollars worth of a player, uh, but he's a very good player. And so there, it's theoretically possible. I mean, Mozgov got moved, uh, but it it cost, it cost a, a
0: lot. Yeah, a
1: D'Angelo Russell. Right. I don't see the Thunder if they're rebuilding as a team that needs to go and dump Stephen Adams and then dump a nice young player right. to get out of his contract. So there are there are some issues there, uh, in the rebuilding tract and and. It, it becomes a question of collecting a lot of draft picks because uh, it's rare when you get the right pick number in the right draft. You might get number one in a, a draft where it's like um, Anthony Bennett. Sure. Or or you might get the number one where it's, I mean, who knows uh, what Markel Foltz will be, but maybe he's very special. You go down the list and there are years where uh, like Trevor Book uh, Devin Booker was was probably one of the best picks of that year, and he wasn't he wasn't the number one pick. He maybe he should have been top one, two, three, and he wasn't. So there, it becomes a question of can you find those guys in the draft? Can you accumulate draft picks? And can you can, will your fan base be patient? It's really up to Westbrook at this point. I think that the, the door is open. They've got the extension offer, and he's probably like I said. I've heard that he's expected to take it um, from people in, in who should at least have an idea, but. That doesn't mean that he does, and it's a very personal decision for him, and he's got to decide what to do. To me, the fascinating question is what happens if if Westbrook does not take the extension, because at that point, uh, you can argue that you can go in a different direction entirely, and Presty and trade these guys before the end of the season, because we're talking about like if they both leave, yeah, you've got a ton of cap room, but you're not in a position to really sign big names, mm-hmm. uh, or... Can you get something like good young, young prospects? Obviously, there's a limit to what you can. When someone's about to be a free agent, uh, it's not the same kind of market as when you've got a couple of years. Like you're going to get more for Kyrie Irving now than you're going to get for Kyrie Irving next year because next year he's got he can one year left, he can opt out, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a they're in a fascinating spot, and I feel like a, a hundred different things could happen between now and next summer. And I think ideally they both stay, and they can c- continue to try to compete, and maybe add pieces here and there, and then maybe like Adams can like grow into his contract, and Alex Sabrinas can take on a bigger role, and stuff like that. But hitting rock bottom again is still a possibility with this team, uh, and that makes them uh, highly fascinating. Uh, over the weekend, Nerlens Noel took the qualifying offer, which I think was is really interesting, and probably a trend that we'll see with big guys because there's just no market out there for them uh steven adams luckily got his deal last summer which was the the summer that every nba player wants to get a deal uh now his deal like we you talked about it just a few minutes ago that it's a it's it's an overpay on steven adams uh but let's hypothetically say that they held on to adams didn't extend him what kind of number would do you think he would have gotten this summer um had he reached restricted free agency
1: Ah, uh, boy, I mean, it would, it'd be really tough. Uh, he'd be a restricted free agent, uh, right now. Yeah. He'd be a restricted free yeah, agent right now. now. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're looking at Mason Plumlee, right? Am I, do I have the right Plumlee? Yeah. Yeah. It's Mason. The one with Denver. Yeah. Okay. I always get, I got, I got, I get that wrong most times. <laughs> uh, and then you've got Noel and neither of these guys are getting paid yet. Uh, and Plumley, I think, is a really, really nice player. I don't think he's uh, an All Star, but I mean, he he. There were stretches where he would get like nine assists uh, a game for a few few games for the uh, for the Blazers. I mean, just a really talented player. He's not the best defender, but he's a, he's a good player. You can run some of your offense through him. And he's not getting paid. And Adams is a very – he's a specialist. I mean he's a great defensive player. He's a good locker room guy. He sets good screens. He—he uh, he, for, for big guys, he's really talented at – he's got a unique combination of size and ability to pick up guys on the perimeter and help against guards. Because a lot of times when you have a true seven-footer, he's about seven feet Uh they can protect the basket. They can do certain things. But when they get put out on the guard, they get exposed. And that I don't see that with Adams. And so that's a little – That you can even argue that's more valuable than someone like Plumlee. And Noel, Noel has been inconsistent. He's been hurt a lot, uh, has no offensive game. And, and not like Adams has a huge offensive game either. But he's going to shoot probably four for six, four for seven uh, on a given night. I mean, he, he's he's a high percentage shooter because he doesn't take shots that aren't in, in his repertoire, mm-hmm. uh, and and so I I think if you look at those numbers, he could be right now another straggler, uh, waiting and hoping that he gets a contract, and the the Thunder could be playing some sort of uh, game like their like what's happening with Noel and with like Plumlee. It's possible that none of this that he just wouldn't be on hook for any of this kind of money. Uh, maybe that's not good for long-term morale. Maybe that doesn't help keep Russell Westbrook. Uh, maybe there are other reasons to do this. I, I, so many so many teams misread the market in the last year. Uh, and even, yeah, really last year it was, it was brutal. Uh, and I think Adams got caught in that. To me, he's probably worth $15 million a year. So the overpay is almost $10 million. Uh, so it's significant. But if you look at it that way, if you have him under contract for four more years, uh, it's only $10 million that he's eating up in addition to what he probably should get. So does that $10 million really hurt the Thunder? And the answer is probably no, not really. They're not in a position to go out and get big-name stars, I don't think, in free agency if Westbrook and George leave. And if one of them stays, they don't. that $10 million isn't why. Uh, you could argue it like they might be able to get to like $17 million, but really – like I said, that if they can get to like seven and then you say, Well, if Adams was at price and he was at ten, they're at seventeen million. You need to get to twenty five, thirty, thirty five million dollars to go get a guy. So it's not Adam's money that's doing that. So we could bellyache over it, but I don't think that extra ten million dollars that he's probably getting above what he's worth is really that bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I agree with that. Uh what what do you think led to s- such a massive misreading of the market last summer and then I mean everything just came to a grinding halt at one point this summer well what led to all that
1: Um well the the what happened really was the union changed over from Billy Hunter um to Michelle Roberts mm-hmm. and She was learning the job, learning the reality. And and the players themselves, very few of them have advanced education in economics and business, right? And that's not to belittle Chris Paul and LeBron James. These guys are very experienced in the business of uh, not just playing basketball, but uh, they've got great careers outside. And so I'm not putting these guys down. And these guys are the heads of the union as well. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if they have – had as much of an understanding of what the league was offering. So when a TV deal came in, the league offered something called cap smoothing. And the right. idea was that you would artificially lower the salary cap so that the players are going to get, let's call it just for evenness, it's not exactly that, but let's say it's 50-50, that they're supposed to get half of all the money that comes in uh, from basketball-related income. right? So what if they didn't pay them 50%? when it came to the salary cap, right? So it's lower. And then at the end of the year, they run the numbers and whatever was shorted, they'll cut a check and it'll go to the union and the union can distribute it however they want to all the players in the league and everyone gets the money. And that was a great solution. And it would have stopped Kevin Durant from going to the Warriors. It would have stopped Mozgovs and Dang and Biombo and, Oh God! I mean, there's so many bad contracts uh, Alan Crabb and even you can argue Tyler Johnson. and so the union Michelle didn't understand it because she, was, she, she didn't really have enough time to to be able to understand it. I mean it's just she hadn't been on the job long enough, and there was a lot there wasn't a trust built up between the players and the union at, at that point yet, and so the players said no, and instead, it just went to the free agents of last year. So a small subset of players got a lot of money while everybody else did not. It doesn't make any kind of sense. It threw the league way out of balance because that's why Kevin Durant and the Warriors – I mean if the Warriors were without Kevin Durant, they'd still be probably the best team in the West. Right. But the Thunder almost took them out and they lost to the Cavs. So they're vulnerable enough that without Kevin Durant, it would be – yeah, they would be the favorite maybe, but they would be an attainable favorite, whereas now it feels like no one's really anywhere close. Uh, and that's all because of this issue sure. uh, that they didn't accept the cap smoothing. And, and ultimately, I think the players and Michelle would like a time machine and, and go back in time and change that. But I think at the moment they felt like they it was, a, it was something they didn't – they felt they were being screwed somehow, that it didn't make sense, that there was some sort of negative thing involved. But honestly – They've since built up a better relationship with the the league. They were able to pass a, a nice new CBA, whether you like it or not. As far as every little detail, games weren't stopped. There was no lockout, and I think it's a good thing. And unfortunately, there's this little blip, and that's why guys got paid. And and the the I don't know how much, just like I said, these players. I don't know how much some of the general managers uh, understood the economics of the situation either. Unfortunately, you know, someone like myself who really puts a lot of work into that i feel a like good understanding of these things but even some things escape my my preview but i think some of the league executives just had no idea and assumed this was now how it was and that this is the this is the market rate and this is what it costs to get players and so you pay it
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh and that's just not the case and i just speak to one executive before it all went down and he said, just watch what happens this summer. Teams are going to kill themselves. They're going to ruin – there's so much spending power. They're not going to know how to handle it, and they're going to hurt themselves for the future. Just some of them. Some of the teams are going to cripple themselves. And this person was right, and their team didn't make bad, bad deals. And they're in a much better position than teams. And uh, it, it's unfortunate. But here we are. This is what happened, and, and teams have to pick up. And I think they've, they've since learned. They're trying to fix it now, but – uh, Adams kind of benefited from being in the right place at the right time. So good for him, you know, a hundred million dollars. That's a nice paycheck.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that was kind of one of my ultimate questions was, did anybody like see this coming where there were going to be a ton of mistakes made? And I think you just answered it that yes, like some executives saw that this summer was going to be an anomaly and then everything was just kind of reset the next summer and everything would feel like back to normal, quote unquote.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was still a big jump, right? We went from, uh, 99. Well, it's 99. It was 94 to 99. So it went up 5 million. Still a pretty decent sized jump. Uh, they're predicting it's going to go from 99 to 102, which is a smaller jump. And with these contracts that escalate and it, it, it's just going to be a challenge for teams to have that kind of spend power. If there's anything that's positive is that the contracts are shorter than they used to be. So uh, most players who signed four-year deals last year, they have three years left. Adams, he got a five-year deal, basically got four years added onto his his existing. So he's got four. There, there are some teams that are still. It's going to take a while. Uh, mm-hmm. But this was a huge setback what happened last year, and the best teams that really understand economics did a good job. <coughs> excuse me yeah, of protecting see. themselves.
0: Yeah, um, I feel like one of the big storylines this season. Is going to be who's going to help the Lakers out and take the Luol contract with whatever sweetener, or Jordan Clarkson with whatever sweetener? Uh, are there any like fake trades that Lakers fans like or that that are like circulating around the media that would work to yeah, help the Lakers get those? Me. Yeah.
1: Well, the fans
0: uh, are the one
1: I've gotten a lot of. Why aren't why don't the Lakers send uh, Jordan Clarkson to the Bulls for Dwayne Wade? Uh, Uh, and some combination and and like the unrealistic Laker fans will say, send Dang and Jordan Clarkson for Wade, which I know firsthand from speaking to someone in Chicago, that's not going to happen because you're basically paying $30 million a year, uh, for Jordan Clarkson. Let's cause Dang doesn't really have any court value. Even if he had some, that's not why you're not going to take on that kind of money for Deng's court value. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dang obviously played there for a long time. Now, if you say Clarkson for Wade and – I know the Lakers right now philosophically aren't trying to win right now. They're trying to build – this is a year to develop the kids. They don't want anything to get in the way of that because the idea is next year they land two stars and those kids get enough development so that they can help play with those stars and, and, and it's something special, right? Sure,
2: mm-hmm.
1: So I don't see I, – I mean you could argue that Wade in the fold helps if they're trying to get LeBron and, and put together the banana boat crew and get all those guys together. You could say, well, if you have Wade right now, uh, he helps them as a veteran and da 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 I don't. I don't really see it. Uh, uh, but whatever. He asked for fake trades. That's the ones. That, that's the one that I get the most when people hit me up on Twitter. Realistically, I don't think right now there's, there's a great market for Jordan Clarkson as of today. Uh, Because most teams are sold on what they did in the offseason. They have an idea of who they are. Mm -hmm. And they think that if they're a terrible team, they think that they're probably 10, 15 wins better. And if they're they're a borderline playoff team, they probably think they're going to be competing for home court advantage. Uh, If they're a top three team, now they're thinking, okay, yeah, we're going to get closer to the Warriors. Everyone thinks they're better than they are for the most part. And then you get to December – And January and the reality of who these teams are, it becomes undeniable and teams start to say, oh, yeah, this kid we signed up to play shooting guards and we need an actual shooting guard who can play. And so now someone like Jordan Clarkson becomes more of a viable target. The challenge for the Lakers, and this is what's different, is that in the last few years, last couple of years, everybody had cap room like 2017 had cap room a couple of years ago. Yep. Uh, this year, roughly half the league had cap room next year. It'll be closer to 10, 11, maybe 12. And it depends on who stays and who goes. Like if Deandre Jordan opts in that kind of stuff, if he leaves, uh, you start going and looking at the teams who might have cap room and who might not, you know, we talked about the thunder and what would happen if Westbrook and. And George both leave well then they do have cap room but if Mm -hmm. one of them stays then they don't so there's a lot of questions as far there just won't be as many teams with that spending power so if you're trading Clarkson after the season and you want to get his number off immediately you have to trade it for either cap room where you're bringing no salary back uh, a multiple team trade of some kind where the salary doesn't come back which is rare and well, when are you going to find two teams that want to help the Lakers get these guys? Not just one. Right. it can be hard enough to get one, and then, uh, or you could trade for a non-guaranteed a player on a non-guaranteed contract, which exists still, uh, but under the new rules, any new non-guaranteed contracts, uh, you, their non-guaranteed portion does not count in trade. So interesting, yeah. Uh, for, yeah. So for instance, Cole Aldrich uh, with the Wolves has $7 million in non-guaranteed salary, although actually $2 million is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he could be traded for $7 million, and let's say you pad that by five, and you could bring about $12 million in. So let's say they wanted Jordan Clarkson. It's still not enough to get Jordan Clarkson. They include somebody else, et cetera, et cetera, uh, assuming – although they might have cap room, so it, it depends on the timing. But let's say they did that during the season. He makes 7-3 now. They might be able to trade someone else, like – uh, Bezalica, right, right. Bezalica, Bezalica, mm-hmm. Uh something like that. Bezalica, yeah. Bezalica, that's it. So let's say that now you're at like $4 million. Yeah, you. so you might be able to do something like that. Uh, Bezalica, this is just something I'm making up, for, and, and Cole Aldrich. And then they let Bezalica go, and then they, they cut and stretch Aldrich, or they retrade him so they don't have the $2 million cap hit. If they have the $2 million cap hit, next year they can stretch that out over three years. So it's not like it, crippling. And so there you are. You've gotten out of Jordan Clarkson. So like they, they, there are ways to do it, but it's going to be tricky. It's going to be hard. And I, they seem confident. I've spoken to some people and they're pretty confident that at, when the time comes, they can get rid of him. They like him. They, you know, they don't want to get rid of him, but if they have to, they can.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, another issue is they, they don't pay one possibility is they don't pay Julius Randall, but again, they want him to be great. They want to pay him because they want him to be great. So getting rid of Deng is the hardest part, and that's, that's going to cost. I mean it costs a lot. Like uh, who is it? Damari uh, Carroll, he, he went out for a pretty pricey uh, combination right there with um, the Toronto Raptors sent him out, right? And their return would have cost rather to get rid of him. Uh, let's see if I have it. I have it right here. Uh, they traded a 2018 first rounder. It's protected and a 2018 second rounder to the Nets. So it cost them two picks to dump that off a first and a second. I think if I were the Lakers, I think in having spoken to some people around them, I think the thought is trading Jordan Clarkson, getting a first back for him, and then potentially having two firsts. If they get desperate, having one or two firsts to offer to get rid of Deng. If it get, if it comes down to it, they would, they would not want to send out two firsts, but let's say you're down at the wire. You've got two stars willing to sign. And that's what it takes and teams know that you have to do it. Maybe it costs two firsts, and, and they could trade their own first next summer. Mm-hmm. They just can't trade it before the draft. They have to wait till after the draft. You can't trade future firsts, right. according to the Tepian rule, which is uh, people think, oh, no, no, they can't trade their first next year. They can as soon as they draft it. At the moment it's no longer a future first. So let's say that you get to July, you trade your 2018 first, and they could even make this deal before the draft. And draft the player that that person wants. Draft two players that that person wants. That team wants, right? Mm-hmm. Draft two guys. They're drafted and traded to their the, the team. Maybe they can't execute the trade till July 6 when the moratorium ends. They could execute that. They could line it up in June. Execute it in July, and now you've got your max cap room. You go out and sign your two guys, and boom.
0: Yeah, that's it's it's very intriguing because uh, the whole thing's deal is just so bad. It's going to be it, – it, it'll be difficult to deal it, but I think you're right that one or at least one first-rounder, probably two first-rounders to get rid of him, and people are going to know the Lakers are under the gun to get rid of him, and they're probably going to demand all they can um, out of them to uh, take on that deal. It's uh, – a
1: the Lakers actually under Mitch Kupchak and Jim Buss were very patient. They yes. went and got Jeremy Lind, and they, they got the Larry the pick that became Larry Nance. Uh, they weren't sure how good or bad they were, so they threw away a, a, a second-rounder to get Roy Hibbert. And, and if they're a good team, then you've got a former all-star center. And if they're a bad team, then it's, it's harmless, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, that's similar to paying J.J. Redick for a year. That's similar to paying Jeff Green for a year. They were really sure. patient. And, and then they got to the point where Jim Buss uh, was on his own timeline of needing to succeed, and uh, I guess they thought, I can only guess, and I've spoken to Jim and I've spoken to Mitch, but I can only guess that they thought they were closer to competing and that getting two really good veteran starters would be enough so that with Russell and Randall uh, that they would be able to get over the top and at least be a, a team that could compete for a playoff spot, and they were completely wrong. And then in addition to that, they missed Mark overpaid them just like we talked about uh and just ruined their chances to, to get something done this past summer uh and they've really hurt their chances to getting something something done next summer although if it does get done it's cost already d'angelo
0: russell and it's going to cost something more to get rid of little dang
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, eric thanks for coming on the show today we can follow you on twitter at eric pinkus p-i-n-c-u-s we can read you on bleacher report and also on Basketball Insiders, if you haven't seen the the salary pages on Basketball Insiders, and you're trying to figure out, well, how much does how much does cap space does so and so have, and what does this look like? It's a great, great resource for you. I use it all the time. Uh, Eric, thanks for coming on the show, and we will talk to you guys on Wednesday. All right, I
1: appreciate it, and
0: uh, also check out our Hollywood Hoops
1: podcast, also on Almighty Baller uh, Podcast Network. Uh, that's with Josh Martin, and we talk. Uh, lakers clippers and a little bit of ucla and some of the other local teams in los angeles
0: yeah actually i was going to mention that we i listened to your most recent one where you talked about tampering in even more detail so if you're looking for more of like the lakers angle on the tampering uh hollywood hoops is a good a good resource and you also um who is the the laker that you interviewed a couple of episodes ago from the shack and Kobe? oh Samaki walker yeah Smocky Walker. i loved it it was Samaki yeah. walker that was, that was so great fun. Yeah, you know what
1: I, I I didn't know what to expect. I don't. I haven't talked to Samaki in a very long time, and I didn't never really had much of a relationship with him because I think he. I, by the time I started was like towards the end of his ex- Laker experience, but uh, wow, just a really fun guy. I, I was able to ask him about like the time he got injured on a jump ball. Yeah, like, that was a fun story, and his reaction to that was like made my day. Because he said no one's ever asked him about that. Like he thought he got away with it. But also he made that a big three-pointer in the Kings game, the one that Robert Ori won uh, with the big shot. And he made a big three, which shouldn't have counted because it was after the clock, but that's not – the rules were different then. Uh, but they don't – that Robert Ori shot may not matter if Samaki didn't make that three. So, yeah, good conversation if you're uh, at least interested in, in some old-time Laker info uh, or maybe you're just a Samaki Walker fan from his time. <laughs>
0: It's a fun show, even 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 if you're just like a basketball fan from that era. Like if you've been following you know NBA ball since then, it's just kind of a fun. It's a fun listen for sure. I appreciate. It. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, Eric. Have a good day, man. Thanks, Rob.